Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Astrology and You. Um, We're so happy to have you. This week, we have a really interesting topic. Uh, Maxine, do you want to tell everyone what we're talking about? Yes. So we're doing this podcast episode all about the astrology of spiritual awakenings. And um, we'll get into more about it. But basically, a spiritual awakening, like we can't define exactly what it is for like you, but it really kind of is a time where you kind of wake up to your own spirituality in some way. Yeah. And like, we both thought this was important because we both had spiritual awakenings in 2018. And before that, like, it's a clear shift of like what my life was before that year and what it is after. And it's like completely different person. Oh yeah. Like total newfound awareness of who I am. Like honestly felt like a rebirth. Yeah, exactly. Like I can't even imagine how I acted before that year because it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, like I was actually reading through a journal from before then, and it was so cringy. Oh my god. (laughs) But yeah, it's just like a total different awareness. And it both for both of us, it coincided with our found finding like astrology, just it coincided with deepening our astrology. Yeah. And then that led to like interest in like meditation, reincarnation, past lives, like all that other stuff in addition to astrology. Yeah, so we're going to get into that more, but we just wanted to give you guys a taste before we dive into the transits. Yeah, so finally we have Libra season. Um, By the time this episode comes out, Libra season will have ended and Scorpio season has just started a couple days ago. And there's also Mars going into Scorpio later this week. So two major planets, Sun and Mars, both headed into Scorpio. Um, Major shift in energy. I feel like when so big (laughs) yeah it's like going from like a social kind of partnership oriented um energy to Scorpio which is very introspective and like I don't know this is like definitely an introverted season where you're more focused on like how can I improve myself what do I need to let go of who can I cut out of my life what situation isn't working it's like really reflective of those things yeah especially with these eclipses coming up too it's just like a lot about letting yourself really reflect on what has been draining you and how can you kind of redirect that energy and transmute that energy into areas of your life that bring you joy. Yeah, I just, I can't believe the eclipses are going to Taurus Scorpio next year. Well, they're starting up this fall, but it's just like, let's make Scorpio season even more intense than it already is. (laughs) Let's throw in some eclipses. I'm so ready for it. I I always love Scorpio season because if you have a stellium in Scorpio, usually it's like a domino effect. Like so much stuff always happens during Scorpio season for me. Mm -hmm. And whereas Libra season was like super light, maybe like making new acquaintances, dating people. More chill. Yeah, more (laughs) chill. I feel like Scorpio season is like when if you have been recently dating someone, it's kind of like the turning point where you're like, should I even get serious about this person? Is this worth putting my energy into? I want to go deeper. I want to really bond with someone. I'm sick of having small talk and just skimming the surface of what this relationship could be. And so oftentimes Scorpio season could bring about an ending if you just sense that something isn't able to get there. Mm, yeah it's like it's so much more about being like okay what really matters to me like kind of cut the bullshit (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like I always find that it's so all in all out and then also if you've been feeling like Libra season and with Mercury retrograde there just like feeling a lot of pent-up like 
energy or wanting to have a conversation but not knowing when the best time is I feel like Mm. whether you plan it or not Scorpio season is always just like you say the thing yeah exactly and I love having really like deep conversations during Scorpio season I also find I always have an interest in like really grotesque kind of taboo topics like I always end up reading a books about corpses or like (laughs) some medical examiner like something really something I just like wouldn't read during the other parts of the year yeah well like it's you know Halloween falls during Scorpio season day of the dead um so yeah like it's Mm -hmm. just such a beautiful time for really connecting with this different spiritual realm so sometimes that looks like spirituality and sometimes that looks like um morbidity I guess yeah yeah. I'm not a fan of that like what happens after you die that's such a Scorpio topic of interest yes so I'm very very excited for Scorpio season and I feel like the fact that all these planets are shifting into Scorpio is relevant for today because these topics like it just makes sense why we're doing a podcast about like when did we have our spiritual awakening like it's a much deeper topic where it was a time of like huge transformation for us and like for other people that will go through similar transits it will be too oh my gosh that's so true I didn't even think of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's so true like okay let's let's get to the good stuff yeah okay so should we get into our topic for this week Yes. Okay. So maybe just to back it up, like we talked a little bit about what a spiritual awakening is, but what's so cool about a spiritual awakening is I find like a lot of the times in, in our readings that we do give people, it's a lot of the times where people just found astrology. They just feel like they're waking up to this spiritual world for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it, it really does have such a tie in with finding astrology for a lot of people who we work with. Yeah, it's interesting, like the transits we're about to talk about that usually lead to having some kind of deeper transformation with someone. I had like heard about astrology before I had those transits in my chart and it just like never clicked. It was never something that like I wanted to deeply like pursue and become more interested in. And then I had all the transits we're about to talk about and suddenly I was like, whoa, there's (laughs) so much to astrology. I want to make this my whole life. Oh my gosh, that is, yeah, exactly. And that's like what a spiritual awakening can do. It's like before that you don't even sometimes recognize that person or you're just like, wow, I was, I was, it's just a different level of awareness. Like I almost think of my own as like an up-leveling of myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like before, I mean, up until about the age of 25, I had no spiritual beliefs. I like rejected the religion I was brought up with. I didn't believe in anything bigger than myself I thought I was in control of my entire life and that Mm. was like I don't that caused me a lot of anxiety because everything was like my fault if stuff messed up oh my gosh so relate to that like super almost like being seeing like God as almost someone fearful I feel like Mm -hmm. like how I grew up but then it was so beautiful because like through astrology but also even like the years leading up to that when I had eclipses on my son in the 12th house it was just like oh wait like God is someone loving you know Mm -hmm. or whatever you Mm want to call that yeah it was I had this similar family background of like being forced to go to church every single Sunday and I hated it so much I don't know why um Mm -hmm. not that church is bad I just it did not do it for me and then it was also like that awakening was about kind of rediscovering God and like, okay, I still have a belief in this. 
Mm, yeah, and kind of making it your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like having more of a, like, you know, not just like, oh, I believe in this. It's like, oh, I know that. Like I get to commune with that every mm-hmm. day and like, yeah, that is so cool. And everyone's like, it does show up different for everyone, but I think that's that's a common um, occurrence. I feel like that coincides with spiritual awakenings mm-hmm. too. I just noticed like becoming a lot calmer after the age of 25 when all this happened too. Like I stopped biting my nails. I, um, I just like, I didn't like freak out as much about stuff because I knew there would be a timing for everything. And that's like what astrology and like reincarnation and like all this meditation, all these other beliefs that I suddenly like was interested in. They just helped me realize like I have a purpose in this life and these things will happen at certain times. I don't need to freak out that I'm not super successful right now or I don't know that Mm -hmm. I don't have the same life as someone else. Oh, I love that you brought that up because I was reflecting on that too. I feel like it helps you to understand what you do have control of and like take greater ownership and responsibility for the choices that are in your control. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like at the same time, I was like, oh, I'm blaming a lot. I'm giving away my power in a lot of scenarios. And I feel like I had that moment of clarity of, oh, actually, like I need to like really own this part of myself. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, so do we want to start with like what are common transits that we do see when people go through spiritual awakenings um and also kind of these this will also explain like why there's been such a recent rise in spirituality and astrology like why are people suddenly so obsessed with this stuff when 10 years ago no one was talking about it yes okay let's start there so um when we're looking at the transits of like when astrology happens, we're mostly in this episode going to focus it to just the real-time movement of the planets, how they activate your birth chart, Mm -hmm. um, but also eclipses because those are just really big times for transformation as well. Yeah, so there's three planets that we see a lot happen. Actually, I think Jupiter might be in there too, but we'll get to that in a sec. But Pluto, (laughs) Pluto, Uranus, and Neptune transits are huge with Mm -hmm. wanting to find deeper meaning in your life and looking for alternative like belief systems or ways to transform and heal yourself. So I feel like when there is a Pluto, Neptune, or Uranus transit to a really prominent part of your chart, like your sun or your moon or your ascendant or your midheaven, like an angle like that, there often is like a change with who, like how you're viewing life and kind of what you want to believe in and undergoing like a deeper transformation. Yes, exactly. And just to like back it up, like, so those are the three outer planets, but they're also sometimes known as the planets of transformation because like Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto are the planets at the furthest reaches of our, our um, solar system. Mm -hmm. So it, represents like the spiritual part of ourselves that we're accessing when those transits happen or when eclipses light up those planets in our birth chart. Yeah, and these planets have, even though they're all about transformation in some way, they have like different ways of going about it. So a Uranus transit to, like I said, like an angle or a prominent planet in your chart might be like you're suddenly awakening to a new way of being or like you're ideas are suddenly shifting and you feel like you're changing like really rapidly with how you view yourself and how you view the world. Whereas Neptune, a transit like that to a planet or an angle will cause a lot of confusion and like dissatisfaction with what you're currently doing with your life. And then finally, 
you're so dissatisfied with where things are headed, you're wanting to look to have like some deeper meaning there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good just to differentiate those two. Uranus and Neptune, I feel like they are so much about spirituality. They get confused a lot, but Uranus is very like unexpected, like erratic change or upheaval with spiritual awakenings. And then um, Neptune is much more like, it feels just like there's this fogginess or this, um, you know, things just kind of dissolve around you when you have those transits. Mm -hmm. Like Neptune can feel very confusing, but then you just realize like I need to be doing something that serves a greater good or has a deeper meaning to me internally. And then Pluto, that's Pluto transits are intense. There's no way around it. Um, Usually it's like some kind of loss of some sort or that could be like figurative or a literal loss that triggers like you wanting to transform some aspect of your life and like shed one way of being in order to be like totally reborn as a new person. Mm, Yes, exactly. And like Pluto is really about whenever it transits something in your chart, it's always about like deep, deep change. And I think the important part is to recognize like usually there is some loss connected to it. And at the same time, it like almost makes you confront your fears. Like as an example, when I had my spiritual awakening, which we're talking about, I had a Pluto transit and I actually experienced a lot of like a lot of deaths in my life of people close to me. But that like helped me confront that fear that I had And then it helps me to like explore it. And then like once you're faced with that fear, it's like, okay, well, you know, like you can't, you have to confront it. Mm -hmm. So it helps you to transform because you're forced to. Yeah. And I feel like it's often like wanting to uncover like the depths of who you are. And maybe also like tied into that is like an interest in psychology or figuring out how you work and maybe spirituality Mm -hmm. somehow tied into that. Yes, also true. Yeah, that's good to bring up. Like all of these planets just remind me of bulldozers. (laughs) Like they just come out of nowhere. And like in Mm -hmm. different ways, they just like everything you thought you knew about that area of life that's being highlighted from that planet is it needs to be reworked. Like it demands attention. Yeah, these I love these types of transits, although they're kind of frustrating when you're in the midst of them. It's just crazy how much transformation they bring about. Um, It is so crazy. Yes. Do you want to get into examples of like how these transits have manifested in your life? Like when and what happened? Because I have a few with these planets. Yeah. So let's let's look at ours. I know I just kind of touched on mine with Pluto. So maybe do you want to start there? Yeah. So what was going on? I basically discovered astrology in early January of 2018 or not discovered, but that was when I became like obsessed with teaching myself astrology. (laughs) Like every day, like it was just, it was just like suddenly something switched that month. Like December, I was not interested in astrology. January and ever since January, 2018, every single day astrology. Um, Yes. The intensity of it with Pluto. So before that, um, I guess, yeah, that's an important thing to talk about. Everyone kind of born in this similar generation, um, late 80s, first half of 90s, has this Uranus-Neptune conjunction in their chart, or at least Uranus and Neptune in the same part of their chart. And Pluto, okay, so both of these planets are in Capricorn. And Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008, but it didn't reach like my specific Uranus and Neptune conjunction in my chart until 2018. And 
that when Pluto connects, transit Pluto connects with Uranus and Neptune, that's like known to be like a very spiritual transit Mm -hmm. where something just like evolves within you and you're looking to have deeper meaning. I feel like that's what the, at the root of all these transits, it's like deeper meaning transformation, but that one like really tends to do it. Yeah. And that one demands your attention for sure. And also the intensity of like how that transit happened for you and you became so obsessed with astrology. And then shortly after, because I'm born a little after you, I had that transit a little later and Mm -hmm. then the same thing for me. So that's interesting how it, how it reflects. And I feel like that also ties into like why our generation specifically is way more obsessed with astrology than people born like 15, 20 years before us, because they don't have that unique, like Uranus, Neptune formation where Pluto's going over that right now. So that also kind of points to why has astrology become so popular recently? It's because of that Pluto transit to everyone born around this time range, late eighties, nineties, and like bringing up those interests. Mm, yeah because that if you're listening like Uranus Neptune conjunction that was exact in 1993 so if you're listening and you're like oh I had a spiritual awakening around like 2018 like that this is why (laughs) you relate to us yeah like I'm born in 93 and my Uranus and Neptune are both at 19 degrees of Capricorn and in 2018 Pluto was at around yeah Pluto is exactly at 19 degrees of Capricorn so it was right Mm -hmm. on those two planets and then also um coming like a couple years before that Neptune had been going over my moon and like the moon obviously is such an important part of your chart it's like your emotional self what you need to feel emotionally fulfilled and I felt really dissatisfied with that Neptune transit like I talked about Neptune causing like confusion or dissatisfaction or just like just not unsure of what you need to be doing. And finally that winter of 2018 Neptune like stationed direct around that 11 degree Pisces mark and finally moved away from my moon. And I was way more clear about what things gave me more emotional fulfillment. Mm. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because Neptune, Neptune transits can be so difficult when you're in them and it's just is such a waiting game. So if you're having a Neptune transit right now, like Neptune's in the later degrees of Pisces, you might just be feeling this too. But like when you look back on it years later, it's like, oh my gosh, it's so obvious what was happening, but it's hard when you're going through it. Yeah. Just like this confusion, like what do I do next? I'm in the middle of another Neptune transit right now. It's (laughs) Venus, not the moon, but I do feel that same sense again. Like I'm not completely content with what I'm doing. How can I change something? And it's just blurry. Yeah, and that's so interesting that you had Neptune brought up through that that transit, but also like the Pluto conjunct your natal Neptune as well, like at the same time, just a double emphasis. And Uranus approaching my midheaven too. So I had three, I had all of those planets in transit activating some part of the natal chart at once. So it was like unavoidable, like something major was going to happen in 2018. Um, Uranus had just gone to Taurus that spring of 2018 before it retrograded a little back into Aries until early 2019 where it came back to Taurus fully but when it first dipped into Taurus 2018 it approached my four degree Taurus midheaven and that's also why this awakening was tied into career because it brought in the midheaven themes 
Yeah, like transiting Uranus, where whenever it crosses over something in your birth chart, whether it's an angle like happened to Alice or it was my son, that's mm-hmm. that's always going to be felt as like what you thought you knew, you no longer know. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. it was. I just like always feel like when Uranus hits an angle, no matter if it's like the IC or the yeah. ascendant or dissonant or midheaven, like there's some type of like shake to like the core of who you are Mm -hmm. and it like wakes you up to a different way of viewing the world it was also about to square my son too and it was approaching your son so we both had that similar uranus transit going on at the same time yeah and that like uranus stays in a sign for about eight years or so like almost so it's when Mm -hmm. uranus shifted like may 2018 into taurus if you have planets at early degrees taurus you felt that really big Mm mm-hmm I love that Uranus transit. Yeah. And I, I think, um, so just to like touch on mine and then we can get into eclipses. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, so I also had Pluto transiting that Neptune Uranus conjunction in my birth chart. And and just like actually to bring it back, like if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, how common is it to have Uranus conjunct Neptune? That only happens once every uh, 171 years. So it's like, that is super significant. And so it really defines that generation. Um, Mm -hmm. But when Pluto was transiting that in my birth chart analysis, it's not like everyone who is born around 1993 and has this was not like awakened. Like that'd be awesome. But um, it really does show up like, okay, but what is your life purpose? Like what is in your birth chart? And like, how aware are you when that happens too? like, you know mm-hmm. yeah and it yeah and it, I feel like even if not everyone was awakened so like a lot of people were because we saw like rise of astrology yes yeah um and then I also wanted to add so I had Uranus transiting my natal sun in the 12th house and the 12th house is a lot about spirituality so it was like finding my sun sense of self through spirituality like awakening to that Um, Mm -hmm. and also I was having my Jupiter return in Scorpio and I just feel like a lot of people during their Jupiter returns, like sometimes are uncovering some like buried part of themselves that is really important that they just haven't been paying attention to. Yeah. I wanted to pull Jupiter into this because you had mentioned you see that a lot with people, how Jupiter is activated when there's some type of deeper transformation going on. I think that's like Jupiter relates to life beliefs and learning and looking for something bigger to believe in. Like it's such, it rules Sagittarius and Sagittarius has all those themes too. So that's interesting that you had that Jupiter transit. Mm, Yeah. And I see that a lot in people's birth charts where they're like, especially in people who maybe are awakening more to either self-belief or they're awakening to like kind of deepening their faith and expanding it maybe beyond the confines of what they previously had limited their belief to, like Mm -hmm. their spirituality. So for example, like, you know, for me, myself, when I had that Jupiter return, I feel like it made me be like, oh, there's more to spirituality than just in the confines of one religion or something like that. Mm -hmm. And although I didn't have a Jupiter return going on at that time, I do have Pluto in Scorpio. Mm -hmm. And so does like everyone born from (laughs) 1983 to 1995, pretty much. Um, So once again, like this generation getting a Jupiter conjuncting their natal Pluto. And that, as we've seen, that's just like would further trigger like 
wanting deeper meaning or wanting some kind of transformation to happen in their life. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting is that transit of Jupiter going through Scorpio across this whole generation's Pluto, um, started fall of 2017 and went through most of 2018 up until like the end of 2018. And that was like really the turning point with astrology becoming so mainstream, like all these publications suddenly doing like way more astrology content. Um, I don't think I could have done my career before 2017 because Mm. it, it just wasn't astrology wasn't as popular until that time. And like CoStar came out end of 2017 and that also like boosted it. So I just feel like there was so much going on at that time with astrology becoming popular. It's interesting that it coincided with Jupiter and Scorpio moving across Pluto. Yeah. And so like even going back to the beginning of this episode, when we were talking about Scorpio season, those same themes, just imagine that multiplied over that whole time span of like Jupiter being in Scorpio for everyone like Mm -hmm. greater spirituality yeah that was a cool transit yeah I know I'm looking forward to that one again actually (laughs) um but we have to wait quite a while (laughs) yeah like 10 more nine more years I think yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) this is what happens when you like are an astrologer (laughs) I know always looking towards the future um yeah, so that, did you have anything else to add with what was going on with Uranus, um, Neptune, Pluto? N- no, I was just going to say that, um, yeah, so Neptune basically had transited over my natal Saturn like a couple years prior. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that really kind of was like the preface to it because like with spiritual awakenings, like maybe some people feel it like right at once, but like a couple years prior, I got really into yoga and I feel like that kind of was the catalyst. And it kind of speaks to Mm -hmm. Neptune sometimes having those delayed manifestations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we, your Saturn is this almost the same degree as my moon. So that Neptune transit was both of us at the same time. So like maybe a period of like slowing down or confusion or dissatisfaction before finding something different. Oh, it was absolutely like that. Yeah. It was Mm -hmm. like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but do you want to get into houses then, Alice, or do you want to like linger there? We had like a few, um, celebrity examples that kind of tied in the Uranus, Neptune, Mm -hmm. um, Pluto transits. I feel like that would be good to talk about. Okay. Yes. So can I start with my favorite example? I'm so excited about this. Okay. So Eckhart Tolle is someone like he wrote the power of now, like a new earth. He's known for having basically awake a spiritual awakening like that's what he's made his career off of like talking about it and um the year that he actually had the spiritual awakening of like reflecting that he recognized wait why can't I live with myself like who am I and he kind of realized he can create his own reality um he was also having transit Pluto conjunct um his natal Neptune oh my god so. so that was, what is his, um, what sign is his Neptune in? Do you know? Yeah, I'm just pulling it up right now. So yeah, so he has in his birth chart, Neptune in Libra and mm, his, okay. and also the eclipses were there, but Pluto was exactly um, on his Neptune in Libra. That's really interesting. That's like, yeah, so I guess the older generations, because Pluto and Libra is early 80s, like most of the 70s, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, 
so they would have gotten that transit yeah exactly like a little earlier yeah and it was really cool too because um Jim Carrey actually had the exact same thing we talk about Jim Carrey in our course so if you're watching this will be interesting for you um (laughs) yes but basically he also had transit Pluto and Sagittarius conjunct his natal Neptune so basically the same transit, Alice, that we had and probably a lot of people listening, um, both of those Pluto. people had when they had their spiritual awakening. Yeah, Pluto to Neptune. It's crazy. Yeah, I was reading an astrology book by this astrologer, Noel Tyle, mm-hmm. T-Y-L. I just like don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> um, he died the other year, but like one of his yeah. in one of his books, he's like, pay attention to Pluto transiting over natal Neptune, like crazy stuff happens like that you totally change. Oh my gosh. And so what was just so cool, such a parallel between Eckhart Tolle and Jim Carrey is that they totally had this split that they recall having from the person they were prior to that transit and the person they were after. And of course, like I, mm-hmm. I imagine they don't know about this transit, but it's cool mm-hmm. to see like Eckhart Tolle was reflecting on, oh my gosh, like how can't I live with myself? I am myself. So I need to like reevaluate that. Whereas Jim Carrey was like lost in his acting role and didn't, re- mm-hmm. didn't know like who Jim Carrey was. And he was like, oh wait, I'm playing the role of Jim Carrey. I can just change my script. And so mm. that it's just such a similar story, isn't it? That's really crazy. We had, you were telling me about Bob Marley and I yeah. am not sure of the exact details here but I pulled up the chart because I wanted to see what's happening and when he you said he had his spiritual awakening in 1966 and then around there yeah so it's kind of hard yes so that was like Pluto and Uranus were pretty much like really close together in Virgo at that year and that was right on top of his Virgo midheaven yeah so once again like these planets aspecting a major angle in the chart like the ascendant or the midheaven it's just like totally um changes like your approach to life and like what what's your long-term goals that you want to be working towards like who are you what's your life path oh my gosh yeah and it's just cool to note also that was happening with Pluto and Uranus transiting exactly on his midheaven but also the progressed moon was conjunct Pluto and Uranus transit too for him which so that's wild and there's a third one I'm noticing Jupiter was in Leo (laughs) I know Going over his natal Pluto in Leo. So we have a Jupiter-Pluto connection, a Uranus-Pluto midheaven, and then bring in the progressed moon with that, which we haven't talked about much in this. Mm, Yeah, but the moon actually, it is kind of interesting just to note um, either your moon in your birth chart, if it's activated by these outer planets, or, you know, in this case, it is the progressed moon, which we're not going to get into, but... Um, prior to Neptune being discovered, the moon had a lot of spiritual significance given to it. So like in more traditional astrology, that's totally an indicator of like having some sort of spiritual significance. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, um, when we were looking at like other examples to talk about for this, you brought up my dad, um, and he had a massive spiritual awakening. Like he got sober in his, I think it was his early forties or mid forties. Um, and that totally changed his life. Like he got in, he got sober. He, um, started meditating, had like bought a Buddha statue for his apartment. I was like, what is this? (laughs) Like at the time I was like, what is this? But now I'm like, Oh, like I have a Buddha statue too. Um, (laughs) who doesn't? (laughs) Yeah. But he had some major transits going on as well. He had, um, wait, let me pull it up. October. Okay. 2003. Um, he had, wait, 
I've lost it. But he had, oh, Uranus. Uranus had just entered Pisces and was on his south node Mercury and Chiron opposite his north node in Pluto. So once again, a Uranus-Pluto. Yeah. And then also Uranus just conjuncting a lot of, ran, not random, but like a lot of planets and aspects of his chart. Mm, yeah, and that's even interesting to look at from the perspective of like whenever you have those like Pluto, which is so much about transformation, contacting his north node. That's so Mm -hmm. significant for like a lifetime where you're going to be leaning into a lot of transformation and spiritual rebirth. Yeah. So when Uranus came along and aspected that natal north node Pluto aspect, it was like awakening that more. Mm. Where is Neptune in his birth chart? Fourth house Scorpio. Mm, I love that. Okay, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And then also um, Jupiter had just entered Leo and he's a Leo rising. So Jupiter was like conjunct his ascendant. So again, tying in a Jupiter transit into this too. Yes. And that's so beautiful. I was just, um, we love Scott. (laughs) Um, But it it is really interesting, the theme that you brought up of getting sober, because um, I know another celebrity people might know is like Russell Brand. And Mm -hmm. he has that similar theme that he discusses. Like he's kind of had a spiritual awakening and does like this YouTube channel discussing spiritual things and topics. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting, too, because like in his birth chart around the time that he, I'm imagining, had his spiritual awakening, but um, he also has Uranus in his stellium, basically. It was like contacting tons of planets, (laughs) like over and over Mm. again. So it's kind of like um, opposite exactly Pluto as well. Is he, or is his stellium in Pisces? So he has a stellium in Aries and oh, Uranus okay. so was, was transiting that. More recent. I, I mean, I was imagining his YouTube channel came out around 2014. So I just pulled up that yeah. date. Yeah, that was definitely when Uranus was in Aries, all those. Yeah, yeah. Uranus was in Aries um, 2010, I think, until 2019. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because that Uranus transit was opposing his natal Pluto. So it may have been like maybe something from situations prompting him to like awaken from outside of himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I, I could look at these examples all day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next chapter of this episode that I wanted to talk about is um, when certain houses of the charter activated through eclipses uh usually because it's like even if something like pluto's in these houses it's there for so long like sometimes multiple decades Mm -hmm. that it really takes an eclipse to come along in these houses to activate a a other transit going on there yeah so we'll just stick to eclipses for these but the 12th house and the ninth house whenever you have eclipses falling there um and an eclipse cycle and a set of houses will go on for about two years. So that's a two-year period where you're awakening to the themes of that house. And the 12th and the 9th house both have to do with spiritual beliefs, wanting to connect to something bigger than yourself and finding deeper meaning. Yeah, yeah. So like if you're looking at, um, like if you have eclipses, the ones that are coming up in those houses, you might just note that there might be these themes of wanting to find that deeper meaning. Yeah, so Gemini and Sagittarius rising would, they're about to come up on, which would include you, Maxine. Maybe you'll have another awakening. <laughs> um, that will be all of 2022 for them. And then who has the ninth house eclipses? I think Virgo and Pisces rising. Mm, yeah. Yeah. 
Yep, with Taurus and Scorpio there. So whenever you have um, eclipses, they're always going to be a time of like rapid growth or turning points. And so I I find like when they do happen in those parts of the chart, even just in the houses, they can bring up so much, even if you don't have planets there, but especially if you do. Yeah, exactly. And it corresponds with both what was happening with both of us um, when we discovered astrology and had this massive change to yeah. like the first, my 12th house is cancer. And that summer of 2018, um, there was the first solar eclipse in cancer. It was mm-hmm. July 12th, 2018. And though I had discovered astrology before that and had become like obsessive that whole winter spring before the cancer eclipses in my 12th house picked up, that was like a real turning point where I was like, I'm going to take this a little more seriously and I'm going to try to turn this into my career. So that one, I feel like further propelled me into it. And also after, once those eclipses started, I started meditating. I started having like past life visions and things just picked up a lot more. Mm, yeah, that's so interesting because I feel like another time when I really awakened to a different part of myself way back in 2014 when I had an eclipse on my son and that was like me being like, oh, I accept myself. I love myself. And that is just interesting that we had that similar thing happen with those eclipses in the 12th. Yeah, because your son's in the 12th. So not only is it an eclipse on your son, but it's in the 12th. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, so if you do have those eclipses highlighted, um, like mine was in the ninth house and I also have my midheaven there. So I feel like that eclipse in 2018 helped me also, like Alice, you were saying, just like bringing that spiritual sense of myself full circle into my career. Yeah, so in 2018, the Leo Aquarius eclipses were still going on, and that was Aquarius is your ninth house, so those ones definitely triggered that, and then I would say there was like a Mars retrograde that summer too, which further got more (laughs) emphasis, like Mars retrograde really turned stuff around, Um, and (laughs) that was in your ninth house too, so like extended emphasis on that ninth house and those themes there yeah it's such an interesting point and like if you've listened to all the episodes now like you know from us sharing our stories I actually watched that lunar eclipse and then immediately got so obsessed with astrology I actually was asking Nick if he remembers and he was like yeah you were obsessed (laughs) (laughs) it's so crazy because it's like before Because mine was like shortly after, I guess, eclipses in January Mm -hmm. of that year. And it it was just like before the eclipses, I wasn't interested. And then suddenly Mm -hmm. I was. Yeah, they really do shift something within you. So I think it's super important to just to know those eclipses when they happen in those houses. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I also wanted to add with eclipses, if you see that you have an eclipse very close to the degree of one of those outer planets we spoke of. So Uranus, Neptune, or Jupiter in your birth chart. Um, Well, plus Jupiter, we're adding that. You might also notice that there's like a shift in like maybe awakening more to your spiritual self. Yeah, that's interesting to note because the eclipses were also, not only was Pluto and Capricorn, like going back to the generational stuff, not only was Pluto and Capricorn aspecting um, everyone that has Uranus and Neptune and Capricorn, but the eclipses were also in Capricorn too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And that's what I think is so interesting too, just on like a more collective level. When we just had those eclipses in Cancer Capricorn more recently, like in, I, I mean, they ended like summer 2020, I think. 
Mm-hmm. There were yeah. so many people who were coming to me for readings being like, oh yeah, I had just a spiritual awakening. Like, I don't know what else to call it. And those planets were literally highlighted for them. Yeah, there was so much yeah. Capricorn <laughs> going on last year. Yeah. It was like Jupiter, Saturn, eclipses, Pluto. So much. And Can't escape. I did notice... <laughs> 2020 it was like my business did really well in 2019 but 2020 it became like kind of out of control it was like everyone suddenly wanted a reading and I really feel like it was further Capricorn emphasis Mm. highlighting Uranus and Neptune and all these people's charts yes exactly so I, I think that's really cool that usually when you do like if you're kind of someone who's spirit very spiritual or awakening to it chances are people who have similar birthdays to you might also be investigating at least even if they're not like outwardly you know talking about it so that's kind of cool to like ask your friends if they felt something similar Yeah, it's like not everyone's going to like turn their career into being an astrologer or like a healer or something like that, but like it could definitely still be an interest. Yes. Okay. I'm honestly, Alice and I could go on and on and on about this, (laughs) but hopefully this gave you guys a good idea if you're looking at your own chart or you're curious to make sense of past transits and when you may have had your own spiritual awakening. Yeah, and it'll be interesting when like a planet like Pluto goes into Aquarius and finally switches signs and then everyone born with like Uranus or Neptune in Aquarius, yep. which is only like a few years younger than us, like anyone born kind of after um, 95, right? Yeah, yeah, around there. Yeah, so it's like late 90s. Maybe it's a little later, but anyone born in the late 90s, early 2000s who, li- who may listen, um, you'll get that in a few years. Yes, we're excited for you. <laughs> yes. Um, but let's move on to the Q&A. So we have two questions this week. Um, the first okay. one is, is the cusp a planet at zero degrees? Mars is my fourth house at zero degrees Aries, which I think is one on one of the best things in my chart. Oh, I love that. Um, so do you want to just kind of define what a cusp is first and then move on to the next part? I mean, in like pop astrology, I guess it's like, oh, I'm a cusp sign because I am like, people will say that if they're like the last day of a sign and they're not sure if they're one sign or the other. But as we know from doing this podcast, (laughs) you guys have been listening, um, cusps do not exist in my opinion. You're either in one sign or you're in the other. I would say like when we're doing whole sign houses, I think Maxine, you kind of referred to like the cusp of one house just being like the start of it. Yeah. So in the technical sense, like when you're looking at Aries and Taurus, which border each other, um, you know, once that planet reaches the late degrees of Aries and moves on to Taurus, that like dividing line in your chart is called the cusp, you know. So in this person's example, it would be like they said it was the fourth house, right? Yeah. It would be like Aries is on the cusp of the fourth house because it marks the start of the fourth house. Yeah. So Mars at zero degrees. I mean, that's a powerful placement. Yeah. And in Aries. Zero degrees of a cardinal sign. And yeah, Mars rules Aries. It's placed in the sign it rules. Yeah. Like I'm totally with this person. That is such a cool placement to have. <laughs> like so powerful. I know. Um, like I have Mars in Aries, not at zero degrees, but um, I think you know, just noticing if you do have planets at zero degrees in any sign, I take that to have a lot of intensity put into it. So this person already has Mars in its home sign, having it also in an angular house and at zero degrees, 
yeah, your Mars placement is very strong. So how that person goes after what they desire might be um, more, like they might have more confidence in doing so. Yeah, and because it's fourth house, probably pertaining to home and family, like maybe it's protecting the family or maybe on a more negative note, it could be like uh, experiencing aggression or tension always at home. Mm-hmm. Some power struggles, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, definitely exciting and hopefully like in the more positive expression of that, that's like a really great placement to have um, for really like tying in home and family into mm-hmm. like maybe your motivation for what you do as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the next question, can you explain more about the first house? I understand when things impact a career house or a relationship house, but I have a stellium in my first house with my ascendant in Pisces. Um, Okay, so this person has their first house in Pisces, and maybe we could just touch on like what is the first house before we get into um, Mm -hmm. the sign. Yeah, so the first house, I mean, I literally just think of it as like, yourself like that's that can do with a lot of different things whether that's like your appearance like how you physically look Mm -hmm. and how you present yourself to the world and how other people perceive you and it's also just like how do you think about yourself what are your interests um do you have self-esteem confidence in yourself so it it all is like tied back to you and I find when there's a lot of planets in the first house there's a lot of focus on developing your sense of self Mm, yes I totally agree so like the first house I'm wondering if this person is maybe confused about like, you know, if you have, so she has her seventh house is Virgo. Like if you are looking at your chart, the first house is most about you. Your whole birth chart, all the houses have something to do with your life, but not necessarily yourself. So like the seventh house doesn't talk about like your appearance. It talks more about your relationships mm-hmm. you attract. So with this person, seventh house Virgo, they might attract like more practical types or someone who's like more analytical. And if you have a ton of planets in your first house, that would mean there aren't as many in other houses of the chart. So you might look at that and be like, wait, does that mean my whole life's just about myself? Mm. And no, it's it kind of goes back to look to the ruler of those houses and, and the signs on those houses and what do they tell you? And maybe you have like the ruler of your midheaven or the ruler of your ninth house or the ruler of your fourth house in your first house. So it's like injecting your sense of self maybe into, and there's like a tie with like the career house and the home house and like whatever rulers of the houses are placed in that first house stellium. Yeah. So to get more information, definitely of like what areas of life, what themes like are most tied into your sense of who you are, your confidence. Mm hmm. So hopefully that answered that question a little bit more, but definitely the houses are a more tricky aspect of astrology. So that was a good question. Yeah. So I think that's all we have for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And also Alice and I um, just wanted to say if you want more astrology content or you want to connect with us, you can go to our Instagrams. Mine is Maxine Luthia. Um, M-A-X-I-N-E-L-U-Z-I-A. And mine's Stock Alice, S-T-A-L-K-A-L-I-C-E. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week. Bye.